Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hello everyone and thank you for joining us again. We are starting a brand new series today, uh, but let me start off before I introduce the series by asking you a question. What do you do after a storm? Now, we live on a hobby farm, a big property, and we often get windstorms over here in this area. And what I usually would do is in the mornings, I would open up the blinds and I would look out over the property to see what damage happened during the night and also to see what was blown around because we, we didn't secure them properly. I remember this one specific time and as it relates to a storm and damage, this is actually very relevant. Now, this is based on a true story, but all the character names have been changed to protect the innocent. So, so here we go, here's the story of what happened. So we had to build a chicken coop. Uh, because we live in Arby Farm, we sh have to show the government that we're actually working on the farm. So, so we had to build a chicken coop. Now, the builder I got, let's call him uh, Japanese wine, sake, let's call him something like that. And his helper, uh, Andrea, something like that. All made up names. None of these names are true. So, so he was new to Canada and, and the builder... Um, he was a mechanical engineer. So he has seen construction and he's always thought that the way they do it here in Canada, BC is overkill. More than what is needed. The amount of screws and nails they use on a simple construction is overkill. So we constructed the coop without overkill. So he built my coop and... After it was built, he gave it a beautiful red paint job and it was a great looking coop. I think all the other hens in the area on the farms around us, they were jealous of the hens that lived in my coop. Here's a picture of the coop he built. This is when it was almost done. It wasn't painted yet, but this was an amazing looking chicken coop. If you look at that picture, right? Yeah, well done. So the boulder went back to his home country um, leaving me with my new red coupe, and it worked amazing. We even put in a remote-controlled garage door that I can control from my window. I can close and open the door to let the chickens out and in in the morning. In at night, out in the morning, fantastic. The one night, we had a windstorm, and it was a big storm. It was loud, and the storm was one of those that actually woke up the whole house. The kids were asking if everything was okay. Now, I'm not talking tornado or hurricane. It was a 100 miles an hour wind, so it was a pretty big wind. It was windy, but I went to bed without really any concerns, besides maybe for the trash cans that usually gets blown around um, on the backyard. When I got up the next morning, I did the thing that I would usually do. I opened up the blinds and I looked to see what happened on the property. At first glance, I didn't really notice anything. But then, out of the corner of my eye, I noticed something that seemed strange. It was the chicken coop roof, or looked like the chicken coop roof, and it was about 15 meters away from the chicken coop. 
It made no sense because just looking at the coupe itself from the front, it looked fine. So I put on my boots and I started going towards the coupe. It was about 100 yards away from the house. So for those of you playing golf, it's about a 52 degree wedge. So I didn't see anything wrong as I'm walking towards the coupe. It was only when I looked around the corner, around the side, that I noticed that the only thing still standing in the coupe was the one wall that was facing the house. The rest of it, the rest of it was blown into pieces. Not because the wind was so strong, but because the coupe was built that bad. I mean, who needs bolts and screws and nails, right? So some of you don't believe me, so I brought along some pictures that you can see as proof. So this is the first picture I saw. There you can see the roof lying completely away. And, and this is um, sheet metal roofs, uh, um, sheets that's lying away from the coop. And on the second one, this is what I discovered when I turned the corner. As you can see, the whole coop was blown to pieces. The builder's name, who has been changed, Saki, Japanese wine, and Andreas, his helper, um, they have since been back to rebuild. And we've had storms again with greater winds than that one that destroyed the coop. But the coop stood against the storm and it made it because it was anchored and built properly the second time. Now, now let me show you a picture of what it looks like right now. Look at that beauty. Isn't that a beautiful chicken coop? Thank you. Thank you for building that. It's amazing. So the reason I'm telling you the story is because what should we do after a storm? What should we look at um, about when things that's like a storm in our lives, what we should look at is we should look at what happened during that time. We should take account of our lives in the same way as we should take account of what's happening around us. Something stood up to the test of the wind and the storm and came through it with flying colors. But some things in our lives, some areas, some components of our life, maybe your faith life, it needs some more anchoring. Needs to be bolted down with truth. And not my truth, the truth from God's word. Based on God's word, the truth, not my opinion. The Bible, your life needs to be anchored on the truth of the Bible. Andreas, that's just overkill. No, it's not. And I'll show you why. It's time to wake up the house. If you are part of our church or listening, it's time to wake up the house and have a look at what has happened in the storms in your life. It's time to take account. So over the next season, this, this next seven weeks, we will be checking our anchors, shaking the load, if I can put it that way. When you take things to, to the dump, you load the trailer, and then after you've loaded it all up, you've tied it down, you shake it to see if anything comes loose. And it's like we have to shake our lives and see if there's anything that's falling apart. Because if it's falling apart, it means it's not anchored accurately. So today we will start with the most important part of the construction the construction of your house. Now let's look at our foundations today. In Matthew 7, 24, we're going to read from verse 24. It says, therefore, this is Jesus speaking, anyone who hears these words of mine and put them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew against the house and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. The words of Matthew 7, the, the greatest sermon ever preached. Jesus concludes this sermon uh, with this amazing uh, illustration for us to understand a painful principle which we we. We come across in our lives. It's Jesus brings the Sermon of the Mount to us and he brings it to this climax and he does so with a painful truth about two men that we notice in that story. Two men that are being compared to each other. Now, what I want you to do right now, if you're watching online, if you're on your own, you can't do this, but you can try. But if you are with somebody else, I want you to look at the person next to you and that's the other guy. It's as if Jesus is comparing you with somebody else. Two men are being compared. And important things to notice in comparing these two men, there are a few things that I'm going to point out for you. Number one, the two men shared the same vision. So if we're comparing these two men, I want you to see in comparison, these two men, they have the same vision. They both want it to build a house. Their dreams were the same. Their longings were the same and their desires were the same. What makes these two men alike is that their view of the future, it was the same. They both wanted to build a house. Now, what's a house? Good question. The concept of a house would be for us um, to have a life, to build a life worth living, a life that is significant, and a life that's going somewhere. You could relate it to building a family, since families live in, live in homes. So, so a house is your drive for life. It can be your family, and it can also be um, your ministry. We could apply it to building a ministry, your purpose, your reasons for being here, the difference that you're going to make in other people's lives. Now, right now, all of us, you are probably building all three of these things. You're busy building a life, you're building a family, and you're building purpose. You're building a life. You want a life that you can be proud of and that God is proud of. Now, very interesting, studies have found that when you ask people who are, uh, are saying that their life is an absolute mess, it usually refers to one of these three areas which we are all building. My life, my home, my purpose or ministry. So all of us fit into the story. You, you fit into the story also. Now the second comparison about these two men, which I want you to notice is number one, both men had the same vision. They wanted to build a home, a house, a life. Number two, both men listened to divine truth. Both went to the same seminary. 
were in the same church. Because it says that both men heard these words of mine. This is Jesus speaking. Both men heard these words of mine. They had the same professor, the same teacher. And you don't get, better, you don't get any better than the one who was teaching this message. It can't be better than the written word being taught by the living word. Jesus himself, he was the one teaching them at the Sermon of the Mount. It can't get any better than that. Both men were in a position of listening to divine truth. They were both part of the crowd. It's like there's two people listening to this message. Both of you are hearing divine truth. Both men were bibliocentric, meaning they took instruction from the Bible. Both men were committed to making themselves available to divine input. So they intentionally went to places where they could hear scripture taught. We're talking about, uh, we're not talking about one man having a love for hearing the truth and the other man in total disdain of it. We're talking about both men availing themselves to scripture. Now, what truth? So if you joined our Bible study, because Jesus is telling them that both men were listening, hearing the word, what word were they hearing? If you joined the Bible study on Monday, we started in the book of Matthew. And then on, on Wednesday, we got to Matthew um, 5, 6, and 7 on Thursday. And it's about the Sermon of the Mount. It's it's the greatest message that you will ever read, um, I think, ever preached. And in the Sermon of the Mount, there is so much guidance from Jesus in the Sermon of the Mount. Jesus concludes the Sermon of the Mount with this example. So before this example, Jesus was busy teaching them. And you can go and read those, those three chapters. Here are some of the things covered in the Sermon of the Mount. One sermon. A few things that he covered. So Jesus talks about in the Sermon of the Mount, he talks about crying, being insulted, persecuted. He talks about bearers of peace, about justice, about the law, about being killed, about when people insult you, your offering, forgiving others and asking for forgiveness. He talks about legal demands and about suing others and others suing you. He talks about jail, adultery, hell, divorce, marriage, about an oath. He talks about honor and speaking of truth and living in truth. That's not it. He talks about what do you do when someone assaults you, when someone abuses you, about legal and government abuse. He talks about love, hate, giving to the poor, praying, asking for forgiveness and prayer, fasting and going about shopping. He talks about riches, money, food, clothing, drink, anxiety. He talks about fathers, children, friends, houses, temples, religions, miracles, and demons. That is one sermon where Jesus covers all of that. And to finish off that sermon, now that's a long sermon, but to end that sermon on the mount, he gives them this last idea. It's like he is saying to you and like he's saying to them, I'm teaching you, I am teaching you how to anchor your life, all the areas of your life. This will change your life. If you apply this teaching, your life will not be the same. And this is how he concluded it. 
He gave us the comparison between the two men. Both of them heard this teaching. They heard the same teaching. He's telling them to their faces, hear and apply these words, but he's doing it by comparing two people, saying the one heard and applied, the other one heard and he did not apply. So they have the same vision. They want the same things. They, um, they want their life to be raised from the ground, a higher life. They want a family. They want a ministry. They want all three of these things. And they have the same instructions. And they have the same instructor. They are listening to the same divine truth. It's like two people listening today. You have the same plans and the same desires. But one thinks the Bible's instruction is the right thing to follow. And the other one thinks, you know what, Andreas, these messages, some of it's just overkill. It's not really applicable for today anymore. The third thing, the third thing that you can compare. These men, they lived in the same neighborhood. Now, how do I know this? How do I know? Andreas, I've read this before. I've read the story before. I don't see anything about their location of their houses. They lived in the same neighborhood. You know why? Because they were affected by the same storm. The description of the storm is precisely the same in both cases and affected both men. Now, everybody listening, all of you listening to this message right now, you have all been affected by storms, especially in this last year. The negative realities of life or ministry, or family. We've all had the impact of that in our lives. It might not be exactly the same as the person next to you, but one thing is true of all of us. We do get rained on. Life's not always sunshine. Life's not always exciting. Life's full of moments with tears. Now, you are not excluded from life if you are alive. In this life, the Bible says, you will have trouble. You will have storms. And that is okay. See, we all share the same vision. We want to build something. We all share the same training. We hear something. And we all face the same storms. We face some things. Yet, why is it that we have different results? See, these two men also had different results. Why? Well, let's read. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. And then he goes on. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man. The two men possessed two different characters. Jesus calls the first man wise. He calls the second man a moron. The Greek word for foolish, that's where we get our word for moron from. He was a moron. It's not nice to call people morons. I tell my kids, don't do that. They don't do it. Kids don't do that. But that's what he said. If you don't take my instructions and put them into action, you are a moron. Now, I just want you to think of all the principles that you know in God's word that you have not put into action. Jesus calls us morons. Own it. So one is wise and one wise man 
who wants to build something, a wise man who gets spiritual training, divine truth, and a wise man in a storm. The other one is a foolish man, a foolish man who wants to build something, a foolish man who gets divine training, and a foolish man in a storm. Here's something that I want you, if you've got a note, write this down. Wisdom in Scripture is the ability to take divine truth and to apply it in your life. The fool in Scripture is not necessarily the person who lacks information. It is the person who does not do anything with the information they have received. It's the person who does little or nothing with the information they have received. That is the fool. Proverbs is full of, of where he speaks about the fool. The fool is the one who hears, but he does not respond. Now, these two men were different. The one was wise and the one was the fool. Now, don't get me wrong. They both had dreams. They both had training. They both had storms. And on the outside, uh, they would have looked like Siamese twins. But it is the description given by the Lord that shows us that, shows us that there were a difference between these two men. Where could you see the difference between them? He tells us where we could see the difference. Couldn't see it with their dreams, with their plans, with their instruction, um, with the storm. Couldn't see it in that. We could see the difference. He tells us it was all about their foundation. Foundations determine what you are building on. It says that the wise man built his house upon the rock. And it says that the foolish man built his house upon the sand. That is the difference between these two. Both men have the same vision, the same dream, the same training, the same storm. They did not have the same foundation. What they had in support to uphold their vision, their dream, their training when the storm comes. The undergirding, the underpinning of their dreams, of their training, of their trials, that was not the same. What's the difference between building on a foundation of rock and building on a foundation in sand? Now, the, ro the rock refers to Jesus, meaning his teachings and his instructions. To have a rock foundation means that you take the instruction from the Bible that you learn, that you hear, and you start applying it to your life as truth. In other words, when the Bible gives you instruction to forgive others, you forgive others when they don't deserve it. When the Bible gives you instruction to sow seed and to expect the seed that you've sown to produce a harvest, that is applying the Bible's principles to your life. You cannot expect something different than what you've sown. You can only produce what you've sown. Those are biblical principles where you are busy building your house on the foundation of the rock. Sand refers to movement and shifting. It is unstable. There's nothing to sand that you can hang onto or clasp into or grow, grab a hold of. It is not an absolute truth. See, you agree with truth. You agree with truth. Because you come back every week. But you only apply some of it whenever that truth is something that comes easy 
and it doesn't cost you anything. That is the person who is building on the sand. You agree with truth. You come back to hear truth every week. You listen to truth on the radio. You sign up for truth meetings. And it doesn't, and it's great hearing truth. But the reality is anchoring means applying. We see in Luke, it tells, speaks about the same story in Luke 6, 48. It says that the wise man dug deep. Now, it costs to build on rock. You can build on sand for fairly cheap. But to build on rock, that requires hard work. To build on sand takes little time. Building on rock, it's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you energy. It's going to cost you effort. It's going to cost additional funds. It's going to require change. It's going to require faith if you want to go deep. See, the difference between the two men is fundamentally rooted in the fact that the second man, the foolish man, was building a house for show, for comfort, for what suited him. But the man building his house on a rock was building the house to last. The second man was not concerned um, in the moment about how long the house was going to be there. He just wanted to make sure whoever was looking at his life, at his house, looked at it and thought, wow, that's an amazing life, an amazing house. See, the two men um, thought, experienced, the two men, they both experienced difficulties and they both experienced different results in the difficulties. So the contrast continues. I don't, I don't want to lose you now, so stay with me. The biggest contrast of all of them in everything that we've compared, we've compared dreams and visions and ministry and teaching and insight and foundation. The biggest contrast between these two guys in all of it is about the results. Because it says one house stood and the other house fell. And not only did it fall, it says it fell greatly. It was a total collapse. It was blown to pieces because they thought applying the word was overkill. What does the Lord want us to learn? What is the fundamental point of this message? Now you have to notice this. Notice this in the text. I want you to see it. If, if you were to drive by both men's homes, you would not discover, this is before the storm, you would not discover that there was a difference. They would look the same. If you were to talk to the men, you would not know that there was a fundamental difference. The only time you would discover there was a difference between their lives, their homes, or their ministries that they've constructed, the only time you will discover the difference is after or during the storm. Only the storm reveals the nature of the foundation. As long as the sun is shining, you won't think about what you are built on. You don't care about what you are built on. But the storm has a way of letting you know what kind of foundation you are resting on. Notice the language. In both cases, it says rain descended, floods came, winds blew and burst against that house. 
Whenever you have rain, floods, winds, and a house being knocked down, that's a hurricane. They were in hurricane season, both homes. Nature was unleashed on them. Life was unleashed. And when you are in a home built on nothing during a storm and you have no foundation, no settled truth applied to stand on, panic sets in. You have to understand something about foundations. You can't pour them when it's raining. You pour your foundation before it rains. You pour your foundation after it rains, but you can't do a foundation pour when it rains because most of the time and energy and effort will be occupied by surviving the crisis that you are currently in and you won't have time to shape your new foundation in the midst of the storm if you didn't spend time on it before the storm hit. Whatever foundation you are going to have, you need to get it solid before the storm comes. So when the storm comes, you're not in crisis. I love the story in Mark 4 where Jesus tells the disciples, let's go over to the other side. It says, then Jesus lay down in the boat and he went to sleep. The boat was filling with water because they ran into a lilacs or a fierce gale. It was slapping the water around them. It was slapping the water against the boat and in the boat. The water was descending into the boat and they were in jeopardy. They could die. They were in a storm and Jesus was asleep. What good is having a God who will go to sleep on you when you are in a storm at the point of where you could possibly die? When you need him the most, he is snoring. When you need him the most, he's chilling in the back of the boat. Has that ever happened to you? where you're in the midst of the most difficult time that you've ever been in, and then you dial heaven, you dial your 911 heaven call, only to get a busy signal, or we are not home right now. See, the key isn't that, that Jesus was asleep. The text says that Jesus was asleep on a cushion. Now, you have to get this from this, this story about Jesus. It's so amazing. Now, I've been on a plane before, like many of you have traveled before, and when the air hostess comes to you and asks you, would you like a cushion? You should interpret that. Are you planning to sleep, to go to sleep? Jesus didn't fall asleep. Jesus planned to go to sleep. This was intentional from his side. Now, the disciples on the boat, their theology was in a complete uproar because they said, carest thou not that we perish? You're the one that says we should love people and you don't even care about us. Don't you feel that way when you're in a storm? Don't you care, God? How could you leave me like this? Why are you so quiet right now? I'm in a storm. God, I need you to speak. When I didn't want to listen to you, you were out there preaching. Now that I want to hear you, you're sleeping. Don't you care that I'm perishing? And Jesus awakened from his sleep and he asked uh, what sounds to us like a very insensitive question. He said, why are you so timid? And so easily ruffled. They are in a storm, Jesus. Jesus, we are getting ready to go down. My life is, it feels like it's at its end. That's why we are ruffled. That's why we are upset. That's why we are complaining. What kind of question is that? And Jesus comes to the front of the ship. I love it. And he says, peace, be still. 
I again want to ask, what kind of question was that? Why are you so easily ruffled? It's the question Jesus asked because he told them before they got into the boat. Build your life on my word. See, just before this, they were at the Sermon of the Mount. Not long ago. And he said, gentlemen, before they got into the boat, he said the following. They got into the boat. He said, gentlemen, all of us, we are going to the other side. We are going to leave here and we are going to wind up on the other side. See, things about a storm. Storms have a way of causing you and me to forget what the Lord has said. Storms, they have a way of causing us to forget divine truth. Storms have a way of causing you to forget, especially the instruction you have never applied before or set in place in your foundation. Storms have a way for you to forget what Jesus has said about that situation. Storms have a way of keeping you from applying in the storm what you heard, but have never applied in the sunshine. Listen, this is a good teaching. I'll just say amen myself. I really feel this is a good teaching. It is in the sunshine. It is after the storm or before the storm comes, whatever side of the storm you're at. That is the time to apply the truth to your life. Their problem was not hearing the, the, the truth. They heard Jesus say, let us go to the other side. Their problem was applying the truth in a bad situation. I like how the story ends. After Jesus stopped the lilacs, it says, they became very much afraid. They were scared of the storm before, and then they saw the Lord, and then they got really scared. They said, what manner of a man is this? Meaning for us today, meaning his instructions were greater than the storm. The storm had to obey because he already gave the instruction of going. Why do God allow storms? Because it lets you know what kind of foundation you are on. It helps you to evaluate and take account of where you are at in your life. Only in a hurricane will you discover whether you are really resting on the truth of God or whether you are merely listening to it every week. There's a big difference between saying amen on Sundays and saying amen on Monday in a storm. There's a lot of difference between worshiping God when all is well and worshiping God when all is wrong. But if your foundation is sure, then it will be the application and not merely the information of divine truth that will hold you steady in the storm and get you to the other side. In other words, every time you have a hurricane, God has given you a new opportunity to demonstrate that you are resting on a sure foundation. But every time after a storm, that is the time to check what has shaken during the storm so that you can build better, build stronger before the next storm. Yes, I'm going to finish with this last story. There's a story about a preacher that went on a cruise with his, with his wife to Alaska. 
And they were in a massive storm, massive waves, plates flying everywhere, pianos rolling around, people were throwing up. It was a messy situation and people were screaming all over the boat. So his wife became evangelically ticked off. She picked up the telephone and said, may I speak to the captain, please? The man said, ma'am, the captain is on the bridge. He can't talk to anybody right now in light of the storm. She said, uh, would you please tell him, I am very upset that he would put us through this when he could have avoided this. He knew the storm was coming. And I just want to register that I am thoroughly upset about this. I want my complaint to be on record. They said, uh, I will relay your message to the captain. A few minutes later, their phone rang, and it was the assistant to the captain who called. He said, ma'am, uh, we have just received your message, and I was told by the captain to relay back to you two things. First of all, number one, ma'am, please go to sleep, because the captain is going to stay up, and there's no need for both of you to be awake. He said, number two, the second thing that the captain wants you to know is, Ma'am, this ship was built with the storm in mind. Long before we ever hit the storm, we knew that this day was coming. We knew there was going to be a day when we would face nature in its most uh, vicious level. So way back then, when, when we were putting this boat together, we contemplated this moment. And this boat was structured in such a way that on whatever day the storm came, while it would be inconvenient, while the storm would be irritating, it would be aggravating, it might be exhausting, while it might be traumatic to go through, what you need to know is, man, all of that was considered when we constructed this boat. So while the storm is bad, the boat is better. I don't know what storms or hurricanes or tornadoes you will face. We all just came out of a, and, and we're still in with COVID. We're still in uncertainty. Some of you have lost your jobs, loved, lost loved ones, people close to you. Things have changed completely. I don't know what you are in right now. Maybe you're in nothing, but I also want you to know that there's something around the corner because in this life, the Bible says you will have trouble. I do know this. Your life based on Jesus' instruction can be built with the storms in mind. So are you only hearing the word? Because if you are only hearing the word, you are the same as the foolish man. Or are you applying the word, which means you are busy constructing your foundation on the rock? Because there is a reward of results with application. And there is a confidence that comes when I've applied Jesus Christ and God's principles from his word in my life, there is a confidence that I have that when storms come, my house will stand. 
So God is our foundation, which involves the truth of God, but it's involving the truth of God by applying his principles to your life and not simply the ones that are comfortable, all of them. The word of God is not simply to have a Bible under your arm that you can walk around with or put it on your coffee table. It is to have the truth of God as the foundation for your decision making that leads towards actions in your life. So here's my challenge. Check your foundation. You're either before the storm or you're after the storm. Wherever you're at, check your foundation. Take account and do whatever needs to be done in whatever area of your life where you are not following God's instruction. Change those ways to His ways. And you know whatever storm might be heading your direction, you'd be able to stand against it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for instruction, Father. And there are two men, there are two different kinds of people listening to this message today. The one you call the wise man, God, and he takes your word and he takes your instructions and he takes this word and he's going to apply it to his life and he's going to bring change. And that change is going to cause him to have a solid foundation that no matter what the life and this world brings at him, he'd be able to stand and not only stand, but stand in confidence and stand in peace. And then there's the other one, Father, that hears this message and simply go, that's a great message, but they don't bring any change to their lives. They don't apply your principles from your word, Lord. And Father, I know that storms are coming. Father, and I want to pray for them. I pray that your spirit will convict them in their hearts to change their view of your word, not simply being great truth, but it needs to be truth applied to their lives so that they can be safe in storms. So Father, I pray for both those people today. I pray your blessing. I pray that you will speak. Work, Holy Spirit, right now. And where you are right now, I want you to close your eyes and just say, Father, how is this applying to me? Holy Spirit, how is this applying to me? Are there areas where I need to change my conduct, my behavior, my application? What are you saying to me? Allow him to speak to you. I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. Amen. Have a wonderful day. See you next week. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.